Hello and welcome to Euractiv's Agri-Food Podcast. I'm Julia Dam. I'm Natasha Foote. And I'm Gerardo Fortuna. And here's your weekly update on all things agriculture and food in the EU from Euractiv's Agri-Food News team. So this week, um, uh, well, we're going to start with talking about Turkey. We're going to start again. We're going to start again because actually we just recorded all of this and I realized that uh, we were not plugged in to the microphone. This episode is cursed, guys. (laughs) Actually, it's true. We've had, trying to film this episode, we've had a power cut and then I've realized that we've not been connected to the microphone. It's just been this whole thing. We've been trying for a long time. Julia, I think you might be a bad luck charm. I hate to tell you this. Yeah, uh, we have to tell people it's my first time being physically here in in the agri-food, not in the agri-food room, in the Euractive podcast room. It's not specific to the agri-food team. Sounds like a deja vu. Something that I already heard. As lovely as it is to have Julia here, I have to say everything has literally gone not according to plan. Yeah. Anyway. On the upside, this is the first time we've actually practiced. It's true. It's true. Don't give that away. What do you mean? We practice every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you were speaking about <laughs> turkey. So uh, we start with the flavor of the week this week. Uh, Not the flavor of the week. The turkey. Turkey, turkey, the country. Turkey, the country. Okay, so the yeah, the, the, I'm basically saying the same <laughs> joke of before, but uh, it's I, less I'm, less flowy this time. And I'm gonna say the locum, the Turkish delicacy, but yeah. No, not the Turkish delight. The country. We're still talking about the country. Um. So why are we talking about turkey this week? Well. EU Agricultural Commissioner Janusz Bojarski uh, met with the Turkish Agricultural Minister Vahit Virasi. Kar- oh, sorry, Vahit Kirasi. <laughs> I, I think it's Kirishi. Kirishi. Um, I don't know. You'd have thought if I'd practiced this the first time that I would have looked up in between, but I didn't. Anyway, uh, they met for their first high level, their first ever high level agricultural dialogue this week. Um, which was focusing all around food security and strengthening agri-food trade relations between the EU and Turkey, which of course has taken on a renewed importance in light of the Ukraine in, uh, in light of the Ukraine war. And I should just point out here that Turkey has actually got a very heavy reliance on Russia, um, and it's also paying. So it's obviously paying a very heavy price for this now. Um, so Turkey is actually the, la- the third largest importer of wheat in the world, um, and it imports mainly from Russia. So it imports 1.66 billion dollars worth of wheat from Russia um, each year. So of course, it's left itself in a pretty vulnerable situation now not being able to import anything from Russia. Um, And so that's added an interesting kind of flavor to this conversation, this this dialogue between uh, the commissioner and the Turkish agricultural minister this week, um, because they were also discussing how the EU can support, you know, the kind of financial aid that the EU will give to Turkey. And the thing is, ahead of this meeting, they've kind of because of the war, it's ended up that food securities are kind of being hung over Turkey a bit as, as a bit of a threat, really. Um, you know, basically saying that Turkey has to play by the rules if it hopes to strengthen its agricultural relations with the EU, if it hopes to compensate for the loss of wheat um, from Russia, if it hopes to try and bolster that with wheat from the EU. Um, you know, it has to play by the game. And this was, uh, there were several member states they're actually warned, they're calling some sources, spoke to some sources. Um, several member states voiced this opinion in the special committee on agriculture meeting, which prepares for the work of the gathering of agricultural ministers later this month. Um, and they were you know, stressing the importance of um, any additional assistance to Turkey or any strengthening of relations there being conditional on Turkey's behaviour and the commission keeping this really stu- tough stance to safeguard both 
uh, EU, the EU and also member states' interests. And according to a source that was in the room, uh, the commission representative uh, during the meeting actually agreed with the sentiment and said that they would warn um, warn Turkey during this conversation that anything, any kind of talks are reversible, any talks can stop if Turkey doesn't play by the rules of the game, which places food and food security. And, you know, it, it means that the Ukraine war is, is kind of, there's been an interesting reshaping of relations um, you know, on a geopolitical level. So food and food security is being increasingly used as a geopolitical tool. Yeah, it's either this, it's also a long-standing lack of trust between the EU and Turkey. But yeah, as you said, it's well, basically yeah. um, geopolitics. No, it's, um... But right now, they, Turkey needs it. So there's like an interesting kind of uh, leverage, you know. As everything in trade, it's mutual because um, at the same time with the, the strong reliance on production, um that the eu is putting on uh recently um actually needs some some um country where where to actually export this uh, this uh, increased production in uh, grains for instance like again sure. mm-hmm. uh, probably the country they're gonna be, um profit the most by this um this uh opening of uh or strengthening of ties the trade ties with uh, Turkey is, of course, Germany because it's the biggest uh, exporter of grain in Europe, and uh, is already one of uh, of the um, ma- Turkey is already one of the main destination of of uh, German uh, wheat. So yeah, again, it's um, it's also part of a bigger plan, not only in terms of geopolitics but also in terms of uh, uh, electoral weight because. Uh, we know that, for instance, Commission President Ursula von der Leyen, um, she's um, she's Christian Democrat. She's a member of the CDU, but the um, current uh, government in Germany is uh, is basically ruled by the Greens. And I'm looking at you. <laughs> I was going to say we have a resident <laughs> expert in the room, and Gerardo's like in Germany. Yeah, yeah. 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 Left Social Democrats with Greens in it. Yes, and yes. See, don't mansplain to Yulia. Yeah, no, 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 indeed. Absolutely. <laughs> Never done it. Um, but uh, yeah, and again, it means that in two years, uh, uh, she wants the renewal of her mandate, but the um, government uh, uh, colors uh, have changed. So this could also be a good, um, um, again, a good... Uh, Olive branch. Mm, mm. Because, I mean, it's something that you do for, uh, like... German interest. Again, this is, of course, an analysis. Quite an abstraction from where we started here, but I do like it. I like your analysis. And of course, also Germany, well, not of course, but (laughs) this week, Julia was reporting on some interesting things from Germany because they're actually looking to really push on wheat production, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've had this whole discussion in all of the EU about uh, ramping up wheat production now that uh, exports from Ukraine and also Russia are missing on world markets. And uh, the German agri-minister, Jem Estimi, actually came up with a new proposal this week on how to do that. Um, basically, he's calling on the commission to postpone the entry into force of um, the EU's new rules on crop rotation by one year. Um, usually, they'd enter into force next year together with um, all of the new common agricultural policy. But he wants them to only come into force in 2024. And basically what this would mean is that uh, farmers who grew wheat on a field um, on an arable land in one year could grow wheat again the next year because these new rules ban farmers from growing the same main crop 
on the same field for two years in a row. So if they came into force on all of the fields where there's wheat at the moment, they couldn't be wheat again. So basically this is meant to um, yeah, make it possible to grow more wheat. But of course it also comes at a at a price because uh, well there are there are reasons why you usually have crop rotation rules, which mm. is um, really important for soil health. Yeah, um, it's been a practice that's been, you know, practiced since forever, right? Like, I yeah. mean, for disease control and for soil health. Yeah. Centuries yeah. and centuries of agricultural practice. So basically, there's a price to it, but the reasoning of demostomy seems to be that um, the alternative to, in order to ramp up wheat production, the alternative uh, proposal is being discussed a lot, as um, we've talked about before and as you might have read about is this idea of growing uh, crops on fallow lands. And he really, really doesn't want that. Um, you'd, lose the, you'd lose the ecological benefits of fallow lands. So basically, he considers that this is a better alternative and he wants this to be done instead of using fallow lands. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. It's all coming together. <laughs> like us today in the, like, oh, that's in beautiful. the podcast, that in beautiful. the very warm podcast room that needs uh, very oxygen. Warm. <laughs> um, but before moving on to the next topic, just check if we're still recording. Just to avoid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm panicking, guys. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, another interesting thing happened in the EU bubble today. Hey, today, actually today. Yeah, yeah actually even, today, yeah. Yeah, it's the... Mm, today as of recording. Yeah, yeah the presentation of these um, um, solidarity lanes, uh, which are basically um, some kind of alternative logistics route uh, for um, to improve the EU-Ukraine connectivity when it comes to grain export. Uh, it was presented by the Commissioner for Transport, uh, Adina Valean. So these solidarity lanes uh, are trying to, and, and include, for instance, uh, railways uh, and other connection in order to avoid uh, the blockade of Ukrainian ports due to the Russian invasion. So again, it's um, it consists in some long, uh, short, medium and long-term measures um, that could basically um, help Ukraine exporting goods because we know that uh, most of the uh, export of Ukraine uh, used to be through uh, the ports in the Black Sea. Uh, there are also the, some some literally standard issue with the, with the, for instance the Ukrainian uh, wagons are not compatible with the, most of the rail network. So, you mean on the train, the train, yeah, the, or the, or the train wagons, yeah, oh, yeah okay. Um, yeah, it's it's, it's something that we yeah. sometimes take for granted because we are in a single market, but mm. um, like even some very long connection, like literally they're physically incompatible. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, I don't know. I mean, probably people uh, living in in Brussels uh, already went there, but there's a museum of uh, trains. So train I thought you were going to go with this. And um, you can basically see that the mm, there's a, the standardization in in the uh, rail um, in the in rails it's it's 
really fundamental because it's all about standards, not the, the measure of wagon, the measure of of the tracks, mm. no. Mm. And uh, when that makes sense, you have to, yeah. you know, run along the same. Yeah, because also the the, the, the kind of, this kind of standards change quite frequently, and right. if you don't, if you don't have a coordination, which is the one uh, coming from instance from the uh, belonging to the single market. Um, but yeah, for third countries might be complicated. Mm. So uh, let's see that there was also an event at the uh, European Food Forum this week uh, where uh, Taras Kachka, the Deputy Minister of Economy of Ukraine, explained that the key problem at the moment is not the production of food, uh, but logistics. It's also uh, a story that recently uh, Yulia published on logistics and how to 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 help ukraine uh in exporting the food so uh yeah th- this is a, a major uh an important help coming from the commission um so another thing that happened this week um actually on wednesday is that environmental campaigners from greenpeace organized a protest action where they actually blocked a large vessel shipping 60,000 tons of soy from Brazil to the Netherlands. And this is linked to an EU policy, that's why we're talking about it. Um, It's linked to the EU's new planned deforestation law or anti-deforestation law. And Greenpeace was doing this protest in order to demand that this anti-deforestation law should be uh, really strong and really strict and effective. Uh, And indeed, the details of that are currently being hammered out. Um, by the European Parliament and the national ministers. Um, This new law was proposed by the European Commission back in November 2021. And the idea is basically that any product that you can buy and consume in Europe should uh, not contribute to deforestation anywhere around the globe. So if you buy something here and to produce it, uh, some... Amazon forest, Amazon rainforest in Brazil was cut down, then you shouldn't be able to buy it in Europe. That does seem like a reasonable idea. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a reasonable idea, I'd say. But obviously, how to do that in practice is a, um, is a completely different matter. And now after the European Commission proposed it, the ball is in the court of the European Parliament and the Council of National Ministers to make their own amendments, propose little changes and all of that. Um, And the environment ministers who are mainly responsible, but also the agriculture ministers, for example, have already come together in some discussions during the past month. Uh, Natasha actually reported on that Mm -hmm. um, back when it happened. Um, And even though basically everyone supports the idea of having this law uh, and thinks it's a good cause, it's actually quite complicated on practical details and how to uh, implement it. Uh, And that was also the vibe recently, uh, about two weeks ago, when... The proposal was discussed in the Parliament's Environment Committee, where the Conservative MEP Christoph Hansen, who's a rapporteur for the Parliament on this file, presented his draft amendment, amendments uh, on the Commission's proposal. So let's hear what Hansen had to say about why this is an important issue. And I think it is clear to all of us that uh, the fight against deforestation is key if we want to tackle as well climate change, because uh, we know uh, that uh, forests uh, are storing huge amounts of, uh, uh, of CO2 uh, and uh, are the lungs uh, of, our, um, uh, um, of, of our globe. So it is very important that we hold uh, as much as we can influence it, at least, uh, the global deforestation. 
And this week's uh, flavor of the week is actually was inspired by some travels that I did this week. So um, this week I actually went on a commission press trip to Bretagne or Brittany, if you're if you're English like me. <laughs> um, so up in the north. <laughs> Are you laughing? People call it that. It's also it's also linked to to the Eurovision because. <laughs> The, Everything for you is linked with Eurovision. Yeah. You have to get Eurovision out of your head. It's linked to the Eurovision because the French entry this year yeah. is um, is is sung in in um, the language the, the, the uh, Breton. Breton. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, for all of you that don't know, Drado is a huge Eurovision fan, and he will actually no, be. Uh, well, uh, I'm working, it, and he will actually be going to the Eurovision to, to cover it. To call it, yeah, I was, I was in a press room. So <laughs> he no. claims not to be a fan. Uh, it's no. a lie. Can I just say one thing on the Eurovision? I already brought, I mean, my, my usual break of the favorite week. Guys, the entry, <laughs> <Guys>. <laughs> the entry from Slovenia was a song inspired, completely inspired by the farm to fork strategy. First of all, it, it is You're called Eat Your it. Salad. You're not going to play it, are you? No, I'm not going to play because I don't have the right to, to play. You're, you're going to sing it? Yeah, I, I cannot say the first uh, sentence of the lyric. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> you know, it's basically talking about him switching his, his um, diet. From meat to vegetarian. To vegetarian, yeah. yeah. And that, him uh, using his bike instead of going to, to, to go to work, instead of using a car. Yeah, zero waste. Um, All aboard the green Titanic. Wait wow. for this, Does wait for this. Sinks, All the though? signs are there. Let's go organic. Yes, but the Titanic sinks. Is yeah. That, so the green, the green ship Titanic sounds like it's going to be a failure. But we were talking about the flavor of the week this week. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> You put me off course. It's not right. Anyway, right, right. We're going back to to, to Bretagne, and um, we are actually talking about this very old traditional Breton speciality called guel, um, which uh, you know, obviously, we know Bretagne is very world renowned for its dairy products, um, and it is a fermented milk product produced on the farm, um, very like you know, old fashioned yogurt with a smooth, creamy texture, but it's a little bit more liquid than conventional yogurt because there's no um, milk powder, and uh, the reason I'm talking about you wanted to come in on that. What? It seems like the quark, uh, the German quark. Maybe. Uh, seems because that's a guel. Well, the word guel in Breton means best or good, and there's also another word. Uh, well, I don't know how you pronounce this. Guel, which means ferment, in French. Guel. I don't know. Some French person. Someone will say I wasn't pronouncing that correctly. But anyway. So maybe there's also like a similar root to the word. I don't with... think quack means well or good, but no, I the... might be wrong. <laughs> the, because the description seems like quark. It's like, uh, how you can describe quark? Quark. It's like a but something in between yogurt and cream cheese, I guess. Yeah, yeah like a bit sour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but less than, yeah, I don't know. Never understood how German use quark apart from dessert. Uh, well, there are also, there are some people who put uh, chocolate cream on uh, on bread on a sandwich and then you put quark on top of it. Oh. Ah, or like jam and quark on top of it. Like it's sweet and sour a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Well, guel, you can use it as a yogurt. You can put it with uh, jam or honey and it can also be used in different recipes like quiche. And 
different things. Yeah, it was a substitute for creme fraiche. But basically, the reason I'm talking about it is because I went to a very inspiring farm this week um, who were actually producing Gwell. They're one of the, you know, Gwell was actually, it's been a really, uh, it's been a part of the local customs in Bretagne for a very long time, but it dropped out of fashion in the 1980s, probably due to the introduction of uh, yogurt into eating habits. And now there are these, there are these farms, quite a movement to kind of bring it back and, um, I went to one of these farms and it's interesting because firstly, Guel is made from the milk of this special breed of cow called the Breton Pinoir uh, cow. Um, and it's a local breed. Apparently, its milk is perfectly adapted for cheese making. Um, the cow is also quite interesting because it's got very, very low nutritional needs. So it requires less food. So it's, it's easy. It's happy to please. It produces excellent quality milk. Um, and it's also really it happens to be really cute as well. I saw, I saw them on the farm and I fell completely in Low love with them. Low maintenance and cute. Low like maintenance and cute sounds like sounds a perfect Sounds like you're describing a perfect, yeah. 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 <laughs> Poor boyfriend. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, basically there's, you know, because of this renewed interest in Gwell, um, it's also helping to preserve this breed of cow. Um, and it's also helped open up other traditional Breton dairy breeds um, to this as things like um, the Fromont de Léon and the Nantes and things like that, different breeds. So it's helping to not only sustain local farms um, who get a premium in the EU for preserving these rare breeds of cow. But it's also a great niche in the market, this this kind of traditional product. And according to this farm, apparently it's quite popular. People are really, uh, I mean, in the local, they sell locally. Um, people are really kind of taking this back again, reclaiming it, um, which is a nice story. Um, and uh, actually, the European Commission um, actually was launched some action about the use of neglected plant and animal genetic resources in uh, 2014. And actually, one of the projects that was selected across Europe for the economic valorization of rare genetic resources um, was the Gwell project um, with these cows. Um, so the idea was to, um, to work with producers and and researchers to try and understand the ferment and the origin of Gwell and to secure its production um, and make this really quality pr uh, product. And also farmers in Bretagne have also successfully obtained the protective designation of origin. Don't get too excited, Drano, I know that your favourite label for this product, making it the first dairy product in the area with a PDO from the region. Can you believe it? From dairy country, from cow country, the first PDO. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You, you, you know why I'm not excited? Why? Because you can't I taste actually, it. I actually told you, uh, Tash, since you're going to Brittany, bring bring some some uh -oh. whatever back. Uh -oh. and we're going to do a live tasting. I know, instead but of I didn't have the opportunity the to buy them. So Take it out with the commission. We didn't have enough uh, We didn't have enough time to buy these products. I would have bought... A, 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 I would commission, have bought... bad commission. <laughs> I would have bought buckets of Gwell. Yeah, so you. maybe next time we could. Have next some. time I go, I will bring you some Gwell, okay? Okay. And that's all from us this week. Uh, this week, the AgriFood podcast is produced by Uraktis AgriFood team, Gerardo Fortuna, Natasha Foot, and Julia Dam, with the technical support of Baby Chiori. This podcast is also available on all major streaming platforms, including Apple, Amazon, Stitcher, and Spotify. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter so that you don't miss the latest agricultural news from the EU. I'm Natasha Foote. Thanks so much for listening and see you next week. <laughs>